Well, we're going to jump into our last of our series of Seek Ye First. And we've been talking about putting God first. And today is an interesting subject, and I might take a little different slant. Yeah, it might have a little bit of... Uh, you know, it's hard to think about putting God first in our time without thinking of secular terms like time management. Oh, this is going to be another, another talk on time management. But really, this is about putting God in the middle of our time. And uh, I was thinking about how, how much we, we are in time. You'll hear people say, in real time. Are we in real time? Yeah, we're in real time right now. And to think about the gift of time, the gift of time is another way of saying our lives. Our life occupies a particular amount of time. You are born into the time zone. You come from no zone to a time zone, right? And we are constantly thinking about, like I, as a trainer, I, I talk to people, interview people. Well, why don't you work out? Why don't you exercise? You know what the number one excuse is? Time. I, I don't have time. I don't have time. So there's this constant tension. What I call tension between time and discipline. Because you have the time. You always have the time. It's been gifted to you. We all have it. And isn't it interesting? We all have the same amount. Mary doesn't get a different amount of time than I do, and I don't get a different amount of time than she does. We all have the 168 hours of the week, or 24 hours in a day, or thousands of hours during the year. We all have, we have been put in a world where we're all in the same suit. Right? So... I heard one guy talk about time management, and he, he opened it up and he said this, there is no such thing as time management. You do not manage time. You think you're managing time, but you're not managing time. You're managing self. You're managing yourself within the time. And man, I tell you, the light went on for me. I just thought, oh my goodness, that's, that's good preaching right there. Because that's really what it is, is to capture yourself to be and, and have that kind of discipline. And to utilize the time that God has given you. And you can't do that without centering, centering, constantly centering God in the time that he has given you. I didn't earn that time. I was born into that time, but it was a gift. And every day that has time in it is a gift from God. So I enter into that with that, that sense of thankfulness and gratefulness. I was also thinking about some comparisons of, you know how we'll say, hey, time is money. 
Time is money. So I thought, is that really true? Well, yeah, it's a value system. You know, it's time can be like money. Money can be like, or can money be like time? Think about the differences. I have this in my notes, so I'm going to just say it like this. Money is earned. That's the way our society is, right? Yeah, we receive money. we get. But the bottom line is, you have to work for money. You have to earn the money. And to the measure you work, or the kind of work you do, is to the measure of how much money you receive. It's quantitative, right? It gets added onto. It compounds. Whatever. Time isn't like that. Time is time all the time. Never changes. It, there it is. Money is received and time is given. Money is spent. Hear this one. Money is spent. But time is occupied. Time is occupied. So that is the very structure, that is the very framework that God has put you in. He has put you in time to occupy. And whether you're going to occupy with God as the center or self at the center or nothing's at the center. And then you became a, become a, what we call a time waster. So time is a commodity. It, 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 can't, it can't be replenished. Money can be replenished. Time can never be replenished. When it's gone, it's gone. Right? There's no recovery from that. I can't go back and recover yesterday. I can't do it. It is like the proverbial toothpaste out of the tube. It gets squeezed out and there's no way you're putting it back in. But when we have time and we put God at the center, here's, here's the way I think about it. This way of putting God in the first place of time is putting God's first in hearing from God. Because God is going to speak to you and he wants to speak to you to give you his plan of how he wants you to occupy your time. Okay? So, Proverbs 21.5 says this, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. And you know, Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes, we know the wisdom of Solomon, he writes, he told us that God says there is a time, there is a time, there is a time for all things. And God works it all together in his Time, right? So God is working in the time. We've got to get with him. We've got to be there for him. 
and to kind of get a joining together, a meeting of our minds, the mind of God, the mind of Christ, and that the God knows, yes, he, God actually works in our time zone. Even though he's eternal. Think about it. Just as Jesus was limited in his humanity to come and be a man, right? He lived in a man's world. Well, God actually moves in a man's world, which includes time, which has its limitations. So today we're going to wrap up this series, Seek Ye First. And we've looked at God being first in our lives, our relationships, our finances. But today is about time. So let me read you a, a fun little psalm, revisited. I'm calling it a Psalm 23 Revisited. It won't be up there. You have, you'll have to hear it. This was actually composed by Wayne Cordiero, a pastor in Hawaii, I believe. And uh, this is out of his book, Leading on Empty. <laughs> he wrote this Psalm 23. The clock is my dictator. I shall not rest. It makes me lie down only when exhausted. It leads me into deep depression. It hounds my soul. It leads me in circles of frenzy for activity's sake. Even though I run frantically from task to task, I will never get it all done. For my ideal is with me. Deadlines and my need for approval, they drive me. They demand performance from me beyond the limits of my schedule. They anoint my head with migraines. I knew you'd like that one. My in-basket overflows. Surely, fatigue and time pressure shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the bonds of frustration forever. God help us if that's our psalm but I'm afraid that's probably more than we'd like to admit. Pretty normal for people who haven't found the secret. The secret of the true Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Surely, he'll even, he'll even prepare a table before me, even before my enemies. God's moving in your time zone. There he is. And this is what he wants. This is the bottom line. God wants you to be at rest and at peace of what it is to flow in the rhythms of his will. Because he's, you're in one lane. He is in another lane. You're in one stream. You're still in the same time zone. But within that time zone, there is a lane. There is a place in God. When he is first in your time, you get to flow in that lane. 
But when He is not first, then you flow over in this lane, which is dependent and subject to all the stuff of hell. Really. Makes sense, doesn't it? Scripture has a lot to say about time. I was a little struck by some of it. Ephesians 5.11, you'll know it. In the message it says, don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work. The barren pursuits of darkness. Expose these things for the sham they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things they must do in the darkness when no one will see. Rip the cover off those frauds and see how attractive they look in the light of Christ. On to verse 15 in Ephesians 5. Wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly. This is all about time, folks. This is all about how you plan, how you occupy, how you view your life and the life that you live within the time you have been given. A gift. The law of forced efficiency. (laughs) Here's a a law for you. The law of forced efficiency. There's never enough time to do everything. How many of you have discovered that? Yeah, yeah. But there's always enough time to do the most important things. And you know what? As spirit led, because to me, this is, you want to know what the answer is? The answer is waiting on God and becoming a spirit led, Holy Spirit filled person that follows the leading of the spirit that I don't walk in the flesh, I walk in the spirit. And if I walk in the spirit, I have found the lane of God and I am in the course of God. And I'm in the plan of God. And if things come up that, yes, perhaps could be a stressful thing, yet because I'm in his presence and it was his plan and I'm in the center of his will, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. So it's not about doing everything. If, you, if your goal is to get everything done, it's not going to happen. But if your goal is to get the most important things done, in Christ you can accomplish that. It can happen. So what are the most important things? If we were in a Sunday school class right now and you were talking to eight-year-olds You were talking to your Sunday school class and you go, children, what is the most important thing? What is the most important thing that you could do, that you could be today? Well, our goal would be for them to come up with the right answer. What would that right answer be? My relationship with Jesus. That's the most important thing. My prayer life with Jesus. Because that, 
that is the center of my relationship with God. It, remember our bless recipe? Everything begins with prayer. This thing begins with prayer too. Imagine that. Planning our lives, utilizing our time, putting God, putting the Holy Spirit at the center of our day. Do you ever wonder? And then even that, Jesus will say something like, don't worry about tomorrow. Now, does that mean you don't plan beyond today? No, I'm not saying that. But he is saying, plan beyond today, but don't worry about it. That's the kicker. I can have a five-year plan. But, and it's there, and I present it to the Lord, and it's consecrated, and it's blessed, and there it is. But it's not, I will be like that person in James, when James says, don't be that person that says, tomorrow I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and this is going to happen, and blah, blah, blah. He said, don't do that. Say instead, if the Lord wills. Yes? So I have a five-year plan. And with my prayer is that if it's the Lord's will, that means I have put God first in my plan. And I put God first in that journey, right? And in my time. So, what's the most important things? Well, we could, we could say some things about that. Quiet time with God. I think we still need to work on this one. You wonder why your time is sometimes so chaotic? I know what it is. I do. I know what it is when I have an hour with God and I know what my day is like, even hard days. I'm not saying bad days. I don't have bad days if I'm an hour with God. They're not bad days. They're good days, but they're hard days. And hard isn't necessarily bad. So again, this is about, about your perspective and your view of things. But when we have, we do the most important thing. Is this really the most important thing you can do with your time? Your gift of time that God has given you. Jesus did it all the time. We have statements where Jesus would, in the Gospels, he would separate himself, he would go to the hills, he would go to a lonely place, he would go to the wilderness, he would go to a high mountain, he would go to a seashore, he would go to a garden, he would go to particular places where he could isolate himself. Because, man, Jesus knew his time was short. What if we lived like Jesus did in that way? What if you knew you only had three years to live? <laughs> Jesus had a lot of work to do in those moments, right? So he had to wait on the Father. He had to engage. He had to really catch it. But putting God first in our time is a quiet time. And of course, this is another one that we're still recovering from that I don't know what happened to the American church. 
I don't know what happened to the American church during the pandemic, but we have lost our minds because we think now it's no longer necessary to gather. I can take it or leave it. It's an auxiliary. It's, it's like renting a car and deciding if you want to pay extra for the insurance on the rental car. No, I'll take the risk. Too many people are out there taking the risk and not engaging because this is the kind of, this is was Jesus' church, right? Was to gather again, to gather. Sometimes I wonder if they will be able to respond to the gathering when Christ comes. Think about that for a minute. That's what I do. I, I, I think about things like this. But we gather. We're, we're gathering. Church time. Family time. How about that? Is that important? Is that essential? You've heard this before, but no one has gone to his deathbed and, and his last few words before he dies when he's rehearsing all the regrets he had in life to simply say to someone, I regret not spending more time in the office. Because we know how foolish that is. More time with family, more time with church, more time with God. And also making time for rest and refreshing and so on. So something, you can't generate more time. And you know, it's, it's like, I never entertained an excuse, I don't have time. Because the challenge is, we make time. And you, you will find out you can make time for things when you're hit with an emergency. Isn't that interesting? If all of a sudden, Somebody's in the hospital. Somebody is dying. Somebody, you know, or good grief. Look at, look at the uh, 1989 earthquake. Giants and A's. World Series. Bam! Earthquake! Baseball didn't mean anything. Even the World Series. You get back to what's essential. What's important. Unfortunately, it only happens when we have tragedy. I'm going to quote again this Wayne Cordiero. I don't know if I'm saying that name right. Some of you can correct me later. He said there's four courses by which we can live when he's talking about time. Maybe you'll relate to one of these and how you function. It won't be on a slide. You'd have to write real quick. A life, some of us live a life of reaction. We just react to things that happen to us. We prod forward until something forces us to change direction. We have to react. Someone's standing there perfectly healthy, never had a physical problem in their life, and all of a sudden they're hit with a massive heart attack. Their life will never be the same. That's a reaction. A life of conformity, that's two. We live according to the view of the crowd. 
In other words, that's what we do when we're in this lane. When we're not in God's lane, we're in this lane, we're in the world's lane. We are constantly looking at what everybody else is doing, where I measure up, where I fall in line. You know, I'm just going to go. That's where we get that term. I'm going, I'm going to go with the flow. You don't go with the flow unless it's his flow. You're just going along. I mean, I've done enough triathlons where we had to swim, we had to bike, we had to run. So the swimming thing seemed to be a, a challenge to most of those athletes, including yours truly. It's an open water swim. It's in the ocean. It's with a wetsuit. And we go to Lover's Point at Monterey. And Lover's Point is saturated, saturated with seaweed in that bay there. And you are literally, you're not swimming. You're crawling over the seaweed. And then if that's not bad enough, you're bumping bodies with other swimmers. And they're jockeying for position. I mean, you could drown in that atmosphere. You, a seaweed could grab your leg and down you go. I mean, you're, fight, you're fighting through that mile. Mile of swim. But you, that's, way, that's the best way I can describe it. When you're in the lane, that God is not in the center of your lane. God's not in that lane. He's in, he, you're in the world's lane right here. And you are literally fighting everything. That's conformity. And it's exhausting. Conformity is exhausting. Or you have, thirdly, a life of independence where you cherish the illusion of autonomy. I'm cool. I'm cool. But often you're just conforming to others who are trying to be different from the previous generation. See, uh, I, yeah, yeah, that was them. Fourthly, it's a life of intentionality. And this is the one. This is the one, intentionality. This is the restructured life I will choose. Everything is intentional, deliberate, planned, calculated, articulated. You are in charge. You are in charge of your time. You have been given authority over your time. You can make choices. And I know, we, we fall subject to it. In the whole working world, I get that. You know, at first you're not working Sundays. Now you are working Sundays. The first you were working 40 hours a week. And then you were working 50 hours a week. Oh, but we get overtime. And then you're not working holidays. But now you're working holidays. But I get double time for that. And the next thing you know, you are owned. And your time is owned. And you didn't make a choice. You did not make a choice. I didn't have a choice. Yes, you do. Why? Because you serve God. He's in charge of your life. He can put you where you're supposed to be. Either that or we just can't go there. We 
can't seem to believe that. Because if I don't take this, I don't know what else I'll do. It's called, you're going to have to depend on God more. Wow. Yeah, it's strong. <laughs> I, I, I know. Time management. Time management, as I said before, you, we don't manage time, we manage ourselves. Time management is life management. That's what it is. So, are there any time managers in the room? Yes, there are. You're all time managers. Some of you do it well, and some of you, hmm. And you're not, you wonder why we don't get the outcomes we want to get. Got to go back. Go back. So we have busy versus intentional. You know what I mean? I, here's a little pet peeve from one pastor about other pastors. And I'm one of them. This is the way conversation goes with pastors. Pastor talks to another pastor. Hey, pastor. Yay. Yeah, hi. How's it going? How you doing? What's happening? Busy, man. I'm busy. That's their number one answer. They're busy. Does that mean there's anything coming out of that? No, not necessarily. If there's one thing that pastors, frankly, I mean, I, I didn't grow up around a lot of pastors. So I'm not always comfortable around, <laughs> around other pastors. Um, that's why, how I know I'm not too much of a professional pastor. Because I think we almost take pride in how busy we are. That if we are busy, we are valuable. If we are busy, that's all that matters. And look, the fact of the matter is, you're all busy, aren't you? I'm busy. You're busy. All God's children are busy. But the, <laughs> but the question is, what is coming out of our lives that God is doing, God is blessing? Are we doing, are we producing the important results? Or are we just doing a bunch of busy work? And I've even had to say that. You know, hey, pastor, what'd you do this last week? Oh, man, a lot of busy work. You know what I call busy work? Everything that's not what I think is ministry. You know, working on the file system, working on a bug in the computer, working on, you know, taking care of problems. And I don't mean people. I mean other things. You know, the copier's not working right. Oh, I gotta go down and get some more ink cartridges. And nah, nah, nah. I mean, on and on goes. And then by the time I get to the end of the day, I think, I didn't get to do anything I wanted to do. Make sense? You don't have days like that, do you? We're intentional. Not busy, we're intentional. Be intentional. Big picture. Planning is bringing the future into the present so you can do something about it now. That's what Alan Lakin said. How about Peter Drucker? You think he would know something, Mr. Billionaire? He said the best way to predict the future is to create it. 
I like that one. The best way to predict it is to create it. Jesus had some nice words to say about it too. In Matthew 6, verse 34, he said this, Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Oh, just live on that one, would you? Just sit on it. And stand on it. And live it. Because really, that's, this is the ultimate goal of our Jesus, our Good Shepherd, is he wants us to go through life. Yes, we will go through challenges. Yes, we will go through challenges that build our faith, challenge our faith. You know, will there be hardship? Will there be tribulation? Will there be persecution? Will there be difficulties? Absolutely, but I'd rather have it happen while I'm in this lane right here in Psalm 23 than to have it over here. All right, I'm. <laughs> I have a lot to say, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna move ahead. Let me give you this one: three important ingredients to starting and finishing. You're getting ready to plan your time. Planning essentials, important ingredients to starting and finishing. Number one: determination. Number two: decision. And then number three: discipline. The three D's. I, I don't have determination. I, I want to make a decision. I would hope that I have discipline and I won't quit. So, number one's where you start. Where am I going to get that? You can't generate it. Some of us, we just don't have it. I don't know, though. Think about things and times that you were ever stubborn. Was that a demonstration of determination? I believe it was. I believe your stubbornness, wherever it was, wherever it came from, just found the right thing. How many of you, you decided you were drawing your line in the sand, you were putting your flag in the ground, and you were going to make a stand, and this time I'm not moving. That's determination. That's where it begins. So, you got to put your flag in it, draw your line around it, and decide. And then it's after that, you make a decision. I've done this, I'm making a decision. And then you have a plan. Discipline does not just happen. Discipline is the movement of a plan. It's the execution of a plan. 
And it is one, you know, this is where, this is where AA, they had something there. In their beginnings, they had something there. Even they understood to change, to beat, to overcome, to be different. It was not going to come except one day at a time. That's very biblical. They got that from the Bible. It's very, very biblical. Because Jesus told us, take up your cross daily. And I'm, sometimes I think we do it weekly, or monthly, or Sunday to Sunday, or special meeting time, or a prophetic word, or some other spiritual experience. And you don't need to wait. Every single day, discipline is the practice of doing something every single day. All right, I'm going to give you one more list and a scripture, and then we're done. Yes, Pastor Jan. The master list. Are you ready for the master list? This will be on a slide. Where do you start with your planning? Where do you start with prioritizing? Where do you start of, of putting Christ in the center of these objectives? This is putting Christ in the center of these objectives that God wants of you. God requires of you. God is hoping and believing that you will take, receive. Things you must do. Do we really believe prayer is something we must do? Because it won't move without it. I'm telling you, it won't move without it. This will not happen until you and I have a conviction. And the church at large is the same thing. The church of Jesus Christ, the church of America. I, you know, I know we preach this from our pulpits. Oh, we, we must pray. We must be a house of prayer. And yet, sometimes it's not happening. But it is something we must do. Things you should do. You got some shoulds? You guys are good at shoulds, right? I think you were pretty good at shoulds. And the third one, cool things to do. Cool things to do. I would like to jump out of a plane and a parachute. Alright, maybe you wouldn't do that. Things you can delegate, things you can eliminate. What would happen if you made a list like this? Things you must do, should do, cool things to do, things you don't need to do yourself, you can delegate, and things you can definitely eliminate. You know what? I can speak to this, but what would happen if you really started eliminating things? Because some of you, your list is too long. 
You're setting yourself up for frustration and failure. Because this is why I, I mean, I do them. I do checklists. I do to-do lists. My, my beautiful wife, she's not into the list. I mean, she's pretty good, though, at hacking away at stuff. But I like the list. But here's the, here's the downside of the list. If you don't get through the list, not good. Stresses you out. And then I've done this. I have rolled over things in my list over a year. Think about it, over a year. I am a list hoarder. We can eliminate so much stuff. Here's what Jesus said. This is our closing thought comes from our Jesus. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life and your time. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Notice the word learn. It's a learned process. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely. You'll learn. There's that word learn again. You will learn to live freely and carefree. This time management or time or putting Jesus in the middle of your time, putting God first in your time, it is a learned art, a learned process. And it's done one day at a time, one week at a time. You can do this. Seek first the kingdom of God. Our whole theme has been on this thing of it was prefaced before that verse in 6.33 of Matthew. What did Jesus talk about? Worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry about what they've got. Don't worry about what they do. Don't worry about anybody else. Don't worry about money. Don't worry about your clothes. Don't worry about provisions. Don't worry about your life. Everybody else does, but you don't need to worry. Seek first. Seek first my, my kingdom. My world, my world that is invisible, unstoppable, all-powerful. Seek that kingdom with all your heart and all of those things that everybody else gets anxious over will be added to you without you doing a thing. Yeah, that was my paraphrase. Let's bow our heads. <laughs> Let's go there. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray for peace. I pray for the presence of your peace, your calm, your joy, your assurance. Blessed assurance. 
Lord, let blessed assurance in the hearts of your people flood into their hearts, flood into their minds. Disarm, disarm the chains of worry. Disarm the weights. Oh God, may we eliminate what we're to eliminate. May we promote what we're supposed to promote to number one. And that's you and your plan for our life. It is you, Lord. I'm not sure there's anyone here, but there might be somebody watching online today. You've listened to this message. And you know in your heart that Jesus is not the center of your life. That you're one of those that you have tried to do life on your own, through your own strength, through your own wisdom, through your own decisions, through your own ability. And it hasn't been working for you. And you have an opportunity even right here on that you could invite Christ Jesus into your life and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life. I'm tired. I'm one of those who are tired. I'm weary. I'm depressed. And I ask you to come and flood my heart with your presence and your saving power. That you will come and you will forgive me of my sins. You will wash me. You will renew me. You will make me your own. That's your prayer today. You say that prayer unto him. Out of the abundance of your heart, let your mouth Speak it to him. Pour your heart out to him. You've wondered if he's real. You've wondered if he's really real to you. And I'm telling you, he will reveal himself to everyone who sincerely asks. He will come to you. So Lord, I pray for that that person watching right now into that room, into that car, into that, over that phone, over that device they're watching. Lord, that your Holy Spirit will come upon them right now. You will draw them to yourself. You will bring comfort and peace and salvation. And may they come home. May they come home. This is a church family here at Gateway City Church in Clovis and If you're close to us, we're close to you. And uh, you have an opportunity. We would love to meet you. You come by here, be with us, worship with us. We can have a lot more we can share together. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Gateway Sermon Podcast at our Gateway City Church Clovis Campus. We'll be releasing a new episode every week, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out. Gateway City Church is one church that meets in multiple cities. To find us or to learn more, visit mygatewaycity.church. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you right here next week.